Luke chapter 2, um, we're in verse 22, and we'll be looking at some of the different responses that we have seen to um, people hearing the promise of the birth of Jesus. So we're in Luke chapter 2, verse, um, that's 21 actually, let's start 21. It says, on the eighth day, when it was time to circum- circumcise him, he was named Jesus, the name the angels had given him before he had been conceived. When the time of their purification, sorry, when the time of their purification according to the law of Moses had been completed, Moses and Mary took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord, as it was written in the law of Moses, every firstborn male is to be consecrated to the Lord and to be offered a sacrifice in keeping with what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of doves or two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel and the Holy Spirit was upon him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord Christ, the Lord's Christ. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do with him what was customary of the law required. Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, You now dismiss your servant in peace, for my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all people, a light of revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. The child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. Then Simeon blessed him and said to Mary, his mother, this child is destined to... Cause the, ra- the falling and the rising of many in Israel, and be a sign that will be spoken against, so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed, and a sword will pierce your own soul too. And I wonder this morning, when everything's quiet, when you're no other distractions around you, when the music switched off, the television is no longer on, when you're just sitting there in absolute quietness, what is the song that your heart sings? You know what I mean? What's your heart really saying to you? What, what song is, is playing in there? Is it, is it a gentle lullaby, a song of rest, of peace? Perhaps... Perhaps it's a song of pain, of distress, a lament of, of sorrow. Maybe, maybe it's a song of, of anger, of agitation, of bitterness, of, of hurt. What, what, what song, what song is, is playing? Maybe you've never even stopped long enough to, to listen. In the story we have just read, we read about... A man, an old man, whose heart was singing a song of hope. Even though he was near the end of his life, even though he was a very old man, his heart still sung a song of hope. He'd been waiting for many years, but now his waiting is finally over. You see, Mary and Joseph, baby Jesus, have arrived in the temple 
They're there to offer the sacrifices that have been required of them under the Old Testament law. And as, as Luke tells this story, Luke is probably slight less interested in the sacrifices and probably more interested in the name that was given to this baby. The name Jesus carries with it divine approval of hope, of promise, of purpose, of salvation. And over the last couple of weeks, we've been looking at the different responses that people have made to the coming of this promised child, the coming of Jesus. We've heard about Mary. Her, her reaction, her first response was, of course, fear. And we talked a bit about that a couple of weeks back. Last week, we looked at the shepherds and we saw how they responded in obedience and, and reverence. And now as we meet this old man, advanced in years, we see how his heart sings a song of hope that turns to joy when he sees Jesus. It's a song of salvation for all people. It's not just for the nation of Israel. It's not just for this man, Simeon. It is for everyone. It's also talking about God's glory coming. Now, the Old Testament talks quite a lot about the glory of God. We can look in different places, but perhaps you know the story of the Exodus as the nation of Israel comes out of Egypt, as, they, as God rescues them from slavery. And as they move from that, they come to the Red Sea. It's sort of blocking their way a little bit. They're coming, the enemy's coming up behind them. What are they going to do? God's glory comes. And God comes down by day as a cloud by night in the f- covered by fire. And God's glory is there. God's glory protecting them, guiding them, leading them. But God's presence is with his people. God's glory. Perhaps we think of Moses as he goes up to the top of Mount Sinai. As he goes up there, he encounters God. And such, such is his connection with God in that moment. As he walks down that mountain, his face is literally shining with the glory of God. The people, they, they can't even look at him. They are scared. He has to cover his face. He has to cover God's glory. But God's glory is there. Perhaps we think of the tabernacle as this big tent that was traveled around from place to place through the wilderness. And as it was set up, as the place was put together, in the very center of that, there's the Holy of Holies, that place where a priest could only go once a year and only the high priest. And God, as the tent is put together, as God comes down, as he rests, as his glory rests between the cherubim and the Ark of the Covenant, God's cloud covers the front of that tent and the people know God is here. God's glory is resting among his people, with his people. But now, now we see God's glory coming in an even more remarkable way. And Sibian's song tells us that he understands that it's coming in the form of a person. This is not a what. This is a who. See, for Simeon, now is important. 
that moment, that time, he, he says, he says, says now, I, now I'm actually I'm able to die because I have seen the salvation of God, because I have seen God's glory coming. And like Simeon, we, we all have hopes and dreams, don't we? Things that perhaps we have waited for, that we are hoping for. But listen, it is in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ that the Bible tells us that we will find true meaning, true salvation. And now is the important time. Perhaps the question we should be asking ourselves is, what does Jesus mean to me now? Not yesterday, not a week ago, not a year ago. I don't know, some of you maybe have, uh, have been Christians for, for many years. I know some of you have come more recently and know something of the joy it is to meet Jesus. But perhaps you can remember that moment, 20 years, 30 years, 40 years. Do they keep going? Uh, you know, for many, it might have been. And you know the joy when you met him for the first time, when you realized that your sins were forgiven that your life had been changed and filled with his spirit. But what does he mean to you now? Right now. As you stood in worship a few minutes ago, did you still feel that love there? She sung those words. Sometimes the words come out easily. Well, what's your heart singing, really singing? Were you thinking about your dinner? Were you thinking about, I don't quite don't like that song. What were you thinking? Like, oh, what, what's she come looking like that? What, 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 were you, what were you thinking? Were your heart, was your heart in love with him? Like that first moment you met him. Have the years deepened your passion, your joy, your hope in him? Or have they dimmed and become a little cold? See, the answers to all your hopes and dreams is still Jesus. The answer to all your hopes and dreams is still Jesus. Do you love him? Really? Do, do you love him? Perhaps maybe you're here and you're wondering, so what? what's this all about Jesus about? It's interesting in this little story, this baby eight days old, and we see that already there is a dark shadow cast over this young family's life. And Simeon's words end on a rather ominous note, do they not? And Jesus will suffer, and so will his mother Mary. And Jesus' path forward is going to be marked by opposition, by pain, by suffering, and we will see a bitter pain that will come to Mary's heart as she stands and watches the life of her son unfold. In 33 years from that moment, she'll be standing in the same city, but outside it, on a hill, and she'll be looking up at a cross. And she will watch her son die. Truly, salvation comes at such a heavy price. 
But listen, it was only through Jesus' death and resurrection that we could possibly have hope, that we could possibly have joy. So why is Christmas important? Why is this baby important? Why is Jesus so important? Because he is the only way to God. There is no other. He is our only hope. He's our only joy. I guess Simeon is a great example for for all of us, a guy who walked faithfully with God throughout his life, a man who finished well, who finished really well. End of October, I did Dublin Marathon. Um, I've done a few marathons before this. This one was different because I hadn't really trained for it, or at least trained properly for it. And got into six miles into the, into the run, and my left foot is absolutely killing me. Um, every time I put it down, it's painful. I'm thinking, 20 miles left to go. I'm in trouble here. But I want to finish. I want to get through. So you just, in those moments, you just think, just take one mile at a time. Just keep going, sometimes walking, sometimes running, mostly hobbling. Just keep going one mile after, but always thinking of that moment when you're going to cross the finish line. You know, as you get to mile 26 and you turn the corner and you see the finish for the very first time, tell you what, that can put a smile on your face when everything else feels miserable, when you're just in absolute agony, when you're exhausted. Just seeing the finish line makes your heart full of joy, I can assure you. It's not a bit wonder that the New Testament writers use this as an illustration over and over again. Paul writes to Timothy, he writes to, to, um, to the Corinthian church, Also, we read in Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 1, it says, And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. So the question I want to ask this morning as we try and pull some of our thoughts together is this. How can we continue to keep a song of joy, a song of hope in our hearts right through to the end? Guys, how can we finish well Even when life throws some hard stuff at us, how can we keep going? How can we finish? Well, I think there are three things that we can learn from Simeon. I'm sure there could be more, but three is enough for this morning, okay? The first one is this. He met the real Jesus. He met the real Jesus. People have many different versions of who they think Jesus is might be or is. Some people say he's a prophet. Some say he's a good man. Listen, there is one place that we can find who Jesus really is, and it's in the pages of this book of God's Word. As we open these pages, as we begin to read, as the Holy Spirit opens our eyes to see and read through the Gospels of of Luke and Mark and, and John and Matthew, Jesus can begin to walk off the pages for us. And for Simeon, hope turns. For Simeon, hope turned to joy when he saw Jesus. When he saw Jesus, the Holy Spirit was the one who had shown him that he would not die until he saw the coming Messiah the one that was promised in the Old Testament. And as he held this baby in his arms, what, what must he have been thinking? You know, I, 
as, as he realizes this is the one, the one that's been promised throughout the whole Testament, the one that's been talked about all those times, building right up to this. What must have gone through his mind? The joy just bubbled up in his heart. This is the one. He's here. I don't know about you, but all babies look like to me. You know, you know, you, 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 you bend over, I look into a pram, and I'm thinking, beautiful, beautiful baby, and then, then I make the fundamental mistake, I say, isn't it a beautiful, I'm not sure where to go, is the boy, is the girl, so I, I look around for clues, okay, what's it wearing, so maybe it's wearing a bit of blue, so I'm thinking, right, so blue, got to be boy, and then I'm thinking, but maybe the parents are a bit more modern thinking, maybe they want to stereotypically dress their child in a certain colour, so perhaps they've gone for blue. So it could be a girl. And I think, actually, it looks more like green. What do you do with green? you just got to guess, haven't you? 50-50 chance of getting it right. How come? I always get it wrong. Guys, I've just, to be honest, fair, I've just stopped guessing. Don't even go there. Listen. As Simeon looked at this baby, he saw something that many people did not see. He saw the real Jesus. He saw God's salvation, and it changed him. It changed him. Guys, we cannot physically see Jesus, but we are so much more blessed than Simeon was because of this, because of God's word. We can find Jesus in there, and by the Holy Spirit, we can begin to discover who he is and understand a little bit more about him. Something Hebrews chapter 2 goes on. It began with, let us run with endurance the race that is set out before us, in verse 2 it says, looking to Jesus. That's what Simeon understood. That's what we need to understand, looking to Jesus. The founder and the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Listen, joy and hope is found and is sustained at the cross of Jesus. It's there that we find true joy. So look at him. Look at the real Jesus. God yet man, crucified yet risen, humbled yet exalted. Do you know him? Do you really know him? Listen, if you don't, you can. This morning, it's a, it's a simple prayer of faith, a prayer of repentance. It means turning from sin. It means turning from, from our selfishness and from our me-centered way of thinking and turning to Jesus and asking him into our hearts. If we want to sustain hope and joy in our Christian life, we need to meet Jesus and keep looking at him. And keep looking at him. The second thought is this. That Simeon 
hope and his joy came from being filled with the Holy Spirit. It tells us in verse 25 that the Holy Spirit was was on him. In Old Testament times, the Holy Spirit was given for specific people at certain times for certain jobs. So a good example of this is Gideon. Remember him? Gideon, who, when the Holy Spirit comes upon him, he is given the task of leadership. This rather weak, insignificant man who likes to hide away if nobody can see him. When the Holy Spirit comes on him, he becomes perhaps one of the greatest of the Old Testament leaders. And God so often takes the inadequate, the insignificant, those who don't think they have much to offer, and as he fills them with his spirit, they do some great, amazing things for him. But in many ways, Simeon is, is a little different because it would suggest that he was continuously filled with the Holy Spirit. Guys, that's how we should be living That's how how we need to be living, to be filled every single moment with the Holy Spirit. And what happened there on the day of Pentecost is still as important to us today. But listen, guys, we we again have such great blessing compared to Simeon. Again, because we have God's Word, because we have some instruction through that, but also we live in the day of the Spirit, the day that Joel prophesied about in Joel chapter 2 and verse 20. 28, he says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons, your daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. So the promise of the Holy Spirit is not just for a specific purpose, for a specific time, or for a specific person. It is for everyone who believes. For all If you are a Christian, that includes you. We should be filled with the Holy Spirit. So as we look at what God did through Pentecost, as the Spirit is poured out, we need to realize that that's how we should be living every single moment of every single day. You know, I love to read the stories of the revivals of the past. Perhaps the... uh, the Great Awakening in Ulster, or the, the, the Lewis Revival of Duncan Campbell um, in the Hebrides, and, and 1905 Welsh Revival, how God comes and turns up and just moves from, through towns and through communities, and we just, just changing lives. Just amazing, isn't it? And yet, they may, those stories may excite us, they may even spur us on to prayer, but their history... Their history. And we need to see God, the Holy Spirit, move in our city, in our time, in our generation. Guys, that's what we should be longing for and praying for. Great to have the stories in the past, but we want it in the present. We want it now. We want to see God move now, changing lives now, transforming communities right now. Listen, when the Holy Spirit is allowed to work in our lives, when he is given freedom to move in our churches, he can do amazing things. When he comes in power, he is life-changing. He is radical. He's sometimes a little bit scary. In fact, he acts like fire. He melts hearts. He cleanses and restores. He brings challenge and sometimes painfully he exposes some sin in our lives. 
but he also comes as our comfort, as he brings the light of Jesus and expels darkness. We need him. We need his presence as we gather here, as we we worship, as we we go out and do things in the, the streets of this city. We need the Holy Spirit. We need his power. We need to be filled. And being filled brings true hope, true joy. The last thing is this that Simeon understood, and we can learn from it at least anyway, is that he was a man of character. And we need to be men and women of character. Simeon was a righteous man in his devotion to God's word, but also just in his dealing towards other people. He was, he was just a good, godly man. And God is looking for men and women of character above everything else. It's not the most talented. It's not those who, who have got the greatest gifting. God wants men and women of character who are people of prayer, who love God's word, who are filled with his spirit. Men of integrity and purity, marked by love and compassion. Women of grace and mercy. The story goes of Thomas Jefferson as he was traveling through the country one day on horseback. He came across a, a river. The rain had been very heavy. It had flooded the banks. In fact, it washed the banks away, and the, the bridge has, was washed away as well. So he stopped, and they talked for a while and looked for a moment. The only way across this river was through it on horseback. There was a traveler who was watching the whole thing unfolding after a few minutes, he went up to the president and said to him, Sir, says, will you ferry me across that river on the back of your horse? After a moment's hesitation, the president agreed. The guy got on the back of the horse and they, they got through the fast-moving waters and eventually safely arrived at the other side after a few minutes. One of the members of the group came over to the man and said to him, Why did you pick the president to take you across the river? Shocked and surprised, he didn't even realize he had just spoken or been on the back of the president's horse. All I know, he said, was that on some of those faces was the answer no, and on some of them was the answer yes. His face said yes. My question as we finish, what is written on your face? What is written on your life? If you're filled with the Holy Spirit, if you are a believer in Jesus, then surely there should be some sort of outward sign. There should be some sort of demonstration of that. It should be evident in the way in which you treat other people, in the way in which you speak, in the way in which you act, in fact, in the way in which you think. Character matters, and God looks at our heart. And if we don't think that God is really reliable, then we won't think he's worth obeying. And if we don't think that he really cares for us, then we will, we're going to struggle to really honor him. And if we live always in doubt, it's only a few steps away from disobedience. 
And God is looking for men and women who show kindness, who show love, who show faithfulness, who show true godly character in how they behave in every area of their lives, wherever they are. People who look like Jesus. So what, what song is, is playing on your heart? What song does it sing? Hope? Despair? Is it joy? Anger? What song is playing? Does it need to change? Listen, God is the, in the business of changing hearts. And as we come to him, as we meet the real Jesus, as we are filled with the Holy Spirit, as we know his presence in our lives, as by his grace we seek after godly character, God comes and God changes us. He brings hope. He brings joy. I believe that perhaps God wants to do a little bit of heart surgery this morning, perhaps deal with things in our lives, in our hearts that need to be, need to be dealt with. We're going to come to communion in a moment. Peter's going to just lead us in that, and we, we break the bread and wine together. It's just a great time of just reflecting what Jesus has done for us. But before that, I want to just pray that God would come and just meet with us, that His Holy Spirit would begin to just point out little things perhaps areas that need to be dealt with, maybe repented of, but then allow him to come, the great healer, the great physician, and bring some change into our lives. So let's stand together.